we're so used to seeing things that, in my opinion, aren't quite right in our treatment of animals. You know, the less we eat, the less violence is being done, and the less destruction to the environment. Everyone eats, and everyone has to make a moral decision every time that we sit down to the table. Welcome to the Animal Voices Radio Show, Canada's only radio program on animal advocacy and compassionate living. This is 100.5 FM Co-op Radio CFRO in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada on unceded Coast Salish territories. Today is Friday, February the 7th, 2020. I am your co-host, Allison Cole, and I am joined here today by my guest co-host, Megan Beattie. Hello. Hello. And Leah Thompson, welcome back. Hello. Welcome, everyone. So for this week's feature interview, we will be welcoming back a past uh, Animal Voices guest co-host, and that is Darren Chang. He is now Toronto-based and a very active social justice activist in Toronto, and he will be coming on the show to speak about a couple of topics that Mm -hmm. he is versed in. The first one will be strategy in the animal rights movement, which he did a presentation on last year. In That was in Vancouver, wasn't it? Yeah, it was in in the summer. Yeah, Yeah. Vancouver, Victoria. Uh, Vancouver. Okay, I must have missed it. And then he's also the key organizer of the Canada Goose Pressure Campaign, which he'll be speaking about as well, and that has all to do with fur. So first up, though, we have a special guest in the studio (laughs) who I didn't announce, and her name is Maggie. She is the sweetest little being. I shall take a photo and share it on our Instagram within yes. the next hour. So take a look at that, animalvoices.org. And Megan, you are currently, uh, uh, I guess Maggie's kind of biting your hand and pawing yes. at you right now. Do you want to tell us a little bit more about Maggie? Yes. Well, um, I am in the process of looking to adopt a dog, and I've been um, connected to a um, rescue organization called Dog Squad YVR, and um, Christina, who's my contact person, uh, Monday night, I think she messaged me and said uh, her friend's rescue needed some urgent um, fosters and because these puppies were coming in from none of it, actually, um, through Manitoba. And it's the uh, organization is called West Coast Pet Project. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yes, yeah, so Maggie, who I named, I got to name her. Perfect she, name. I can't yeah. imagine another name for this little <laughs> darling being who she, just had a yawn. Oh, my goodness. She's so adorable and little, but she's going to be a very, very big dog so I will not foster fail I promise (laughs) she might have a new home very very soon yes yeah so I'm just taking a little video Mm. here of Maggie you want to say hi Maggie and I'm going to post it on her Instagram (laughs) Leah Leah had to grab her because (laughs) because uh she was she's a little bit she's a wee little bit rambunctious for a a wee little baby yeah she's two months old and um I guess I asked about the 
her story and basically in none of it in the town where she was rescued from from um, it's another situation where folks in those areas don't have access to services like vets and to get um, st- uh, stray dogs spayed and neutered and so there is an abundance of um, feral and or are there feral dogs I don't know stray, <laughs> uh, stray, stray, dogs. stray dogs and because it's so cold up there um, they will basi- they will freeze to death so the contact out there is a lovely lovely woman um, and uh, rescues these puppies and and dogs and sends them this way to have um, to be lucky for a better a better life or a life at all really so that's just another another piece where the dominant culture is not spreading um, spreading services that are needed all across in smaller areas um, in Canada and uh, across the world really. Yeah, I was I was actually shocked to hear that there mm-hmm. aren't spaying neuter services in none of it. We don't really know what's happening up yeah. there, except no. that I did did know about the stray dog community in the mm-hmm. northern area of Canada for sure, and that's something we haven't really covered on the show before. Mm. But once again, just a shout out to uh, it was West Coast Pet Project. Is yes. That, okay. Yeah, they're on Instagram and they have a website and Facebook too. Okay. Yes. Oh, Maggie, she doesn't bark yet. No. Only heard one bark out of her, but she's made. A little whimper of some sort. <laughs> what a sweet little darling. Okay, so moving on, um, we are going to speak about the Kelowna Rib Fest, and mm-hmm. I don't know as much about this from what I've what I've seen on social media and in the news. I know that Rib Fests they go around the country, I guess. You hear about Rib Fests all the time, and Megan, you are particularly involved in an action that uh, was against the Kelowna Rib Fest that happened yeah. last summer, but mm-hmm. you're going to speak about, I, I guess, give us a history about Rib right. Fest, because, yeah, I was just learning this about about this from you just mm-hmm. a little while ago. Yeah, for sure. Um, so... I have experience with uh, disrupting Rib Fest. Um, actually, my first time from a couple years ago when I was with organizing with DXC, we went to the Port Moody Rib Fest and disrupted. And I've also seen other Rib Fests. And so my understanding is that it's a traveling festival, and it's um, it you know. The, and I also last year went to or two years ago I went to the Kamloops um, Rib Fest and we disrupted that one and so it's just a festival and it has um, you know different vendors although they have you know they all have the same huge billboards Um, one of them is very sexualized of a woman in very scantily clad and saying saying something about look at this rack or something like that it's Mm -hmm. really it's there's so many that's just one it's one all, of the problems. Yes. <laughs> just just one of many. Mm-hmm. And um it's just people lining up um to buy and purchase and eat um different um ribs on from different places with different sauces and all this thing and there's a big um beer garden so you definitely get a lot of hackles and you know mm-hmm. heckles and stuff from folks who are drunk and like, sounds just, like the worst gross. kind of environment for me yeah. <laughs> because yeah. Yeah. Uh, drunk people eating 
eating animals who we love and gloating about it, I yeah. would imagine. Yeah. And so, you know, there have been lots of um, all over, like last year, uh, Langley Pig Save uh, did a protest against the Langley Rib Fest. But specifically with Kelowna, they have been doing different tactics, uh, disrupting the Rib Fest. Uh, Rotary Club is the one the place that organizes it um, in Kelowna. Um, I'm sorry to say I'm not sure if that's across the board, but Mm -hmm. the folks, the awesome, awesome activists in Kelowna have been like going to the Rotary Club meetings. They've been chalking outside of different businesses that um, support the Rib Fest and doing all sorts of different things, but to no avail. And so they're kind of, they decided to up the ante uh, this past November and and that's when I went out to Kelowna and we did a lockdown at Interior Savings Credit Union, which is the the key sponsor to the Kelowna Rib Fest. And we locked down. There were seven of us, seven women, and we locked down on uh, in front of the two doors so they couldn't get in. There was a back entrance, so there was no... Um, worry for any kind of safety concerns with folks who are already in there to be able to get out if they needed. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, we were there for about five hours. It took a long time for the police to come. And really? They were probably getting ready as we, we've, I've experienced yeah, in the past. Yeah, it was, it, yeah, it mm-hmm. was interesting, but there was so much press. Uh, they did a great job sending out press releases and everything to get all sorts of media out. And basically, um, Amy was the media person, Amy Serrano, and she was the one talking to the press, and they basically had, we had two talking points. One was the environmental impact that we all know is huge and Mm -hmm. just... It's, you know, I, I, I don't know. We could go on forever about that. But then also another piece was the um, Rib Fest gets their flesh, gets their pig flesh from Excelsior Farms, which we know was the um, farm where Meet the Victims went and all the undercover investigation and all of the footage came out. And so they were, um, it was shown that they are, fully engaging in animal cruelty and um and so those were the two two points that they were we were bringing to interior savings to stop their sponsorship because do you support this right you know and as i understand there was communication before the lockdown with interior savings is that correct i mean that's normally yeah that's normally what would be done is you don't just go there and do a lockdown without trying to trying to show your side of it and asking please Mm -hmm. withdraw your support Mm -hmm. and and they wouldn't no so this is this is what happened yeah like it wasn't surprising it was definitely disappointing because um, we had people go in to talk to the interior savings, mm-hmm. but, and, you know, we didn't expect that they would be able to like pull out their sponsorship that moment. Like, obviously there's a process to it, but their, um, just dismissal of all of these, uh, all of these, um, very big, big concerns was very disappointing. Th- 
That is disappointing. And just going back, you had mentioned Meet the Victims. Meet the Victims Canada, which is a global, worldwide action that has been taking place now for the last couple of years in different places. And uh, just for listeners who aren't familiar with what this action was, we've covered it extensively on the Animal Voices show before. You can listen to our podcast, animalvoices.org, and search for Meet the Victims mm-hmm. Canada. We mm-hmm. did two shows with some great interviews. And what that was was uh, we had about 200 activists who showed up on April the 28th last year at the Excelsior Hog Farm, as you mentioned, which is one of the pr- one of the province's premier suppliers, pork producers, mm-hmm. and who apparently produced pork in a, I've got my air quotes up, humane yeah. fashion, which was yeah. not the case because no. you were there with me, Ma- yes. Megan. Yeah. We were both there in the barn, and what we saw and what we documented was mm-hmm. anything but humane. Yeah. It was the most atroci- atrocious condi- living conditions mm-hmm. you could ever think for animals and also they uh, footage got released um, got leaked before and mm-hmm. so they had time to clean up when we and were it there, was still right. bad. It yeah. was still so bad. Yeah, so if people are interested in learning more about what happens at the Excelsior Hog Farm, which is just uh, it's just a representative of really all, all pig farms and factory farms mm-hmm. around the world, especially in Canada, it's like we can say this happened here locally in the yeah. Lower Mainland. If you're interested in knowing more about this, again, you can listen to our podcast about it, but also I did extensive video coverage with live, live stream video from mm-hmm. the barn that day. It kept cutting out because we were in the barn, right? But I have all, it's a seven part video that you can watch on our Facebook page and I will provide a link to that um, in the next little, in the next hour, you can go to our Facebook Animal Voices Vancouver and I'll have that posted on our wall and it's also if you want to see it right now just click on videos it's the feature video still there um, had it's had thousands and thousands of mm-hmm, views and there's different course. parts that show different we won't get into it right now we've done a whole show on mm-hmm. it but but like I said the most atrocious conditions that you could ever imagine for these poor animals and now and now we're going forward and seeing that uh, as you said like horrific cruelty there mm-hmm. like people should be gravely concerned about mm-hmm. what's happening there and yep. interior savings should be concerned yep. and not only that the Kelowna Rotary Club should be yes. concerned and I understand that Amy and some of her fellow activists did a presentation last yes. week to the Rotary Club and what was their response like? Um, well, um, Amy um, and Tegan and Nick all uh, went for a meeting with the Rotary Club and um, because it was clear that their activism efforts had made an impact um, but the Rotary, Rotary Club, pardon me, still adamantly disregarded the environmental impact of animal agriculture and expressed a gross lack of concern towards the pigs raised and killed for our for their quote unquote festival. Um, so from Amy that she said in her post regarding this, uh, long story short, after a lot of debate and discussion, we agreed to disagree. So they're going to uh, in Kelowna continue to do um, escalate their tactics. And I think that all of us who know of different rib fests across um, BC mm-hmm. and Canada should um, use 
um, Kelowna as an example and follow their lead and start really putting pressure on this disgusting festival. With this information, we want you, our listeners, to decide for yourselves as well. Is this something that you support if you live in Kelowna, perhaps, if you live in the Lower Mainland, BC, or wherever you might have a local rib fest, if you bank at the interior savings, is that something that you want to support and put your money Mm -hmm. into, right? So if not, contact the organizers, contact Mm -hmm. the Kelowna Rotary Club, contact any, your local organizer, contact the interior savings and let them know how you feel. Actually, after the lockdown, there was someone messaged uh, Amy or somebody saying that they ended their um, account, they closed their account and they told interior savings that that is why i saw that yeah. posted yeah. why they so cool. yeah yeah and mm-hmm. and this is all th- their businesses right their corporations they yes. care about money in the bottom yes. line and that money comes from us consumers so um mm-hmm. so there's that there's that angle right there and then there's also of course what happens to those poor pigs but moving on thank you for that little update we yeah, have leah here to tell us the latest news about what's happening right now <laughs> tell us leah Sure, thank you. Um, So right now, there is ongoing news updates coming up about the the RCMP convoy advancing on Wet'suwet'en territories in northern BC. So a little bit of background. In January of last year, the RCMP violently raided the Unistoten and Gimden territories. And um, there was global uproar because Canada is not abiding by the UN's, the UNDRIP laws, which is the protection for Indigenous people. Mm. So as of January 4th of this year, the hereditary chiefs oversaw the successful eviction of Coastal Gaslink employees from the Unistoten and Gimden territories. So for the past month, there's been surveillance overhead by the RCMP and the Wet'suwet'en people have been preparing for a raid like last year so as of yesterday february 6th at f- at, um, in the early morning 4 or 5 a.m there was four arrests made at the 39 kilometer mark from the road so that's um getting closer to the gimton checkpoint and then beyond that is the unistoten camp so um this action is ongoing and i'll read you the most recent reports the most recent updates as of uh, 11 20, there were two more helicopters dropping off of another wave of, um, of more RCMP. And as of noon, the RCMP were attempting to breach a bus that has been sending out updates on the camp. And there's so much more here. There's so many updates. So I urge you to check their website, unistoten.camp. Mm-hmm. And on there, you can also find ways uh, that you, you can support them. Tell us about what's happening today at 2.30, Oh, yes. Yeah. So today there is going to be, there was yesterday and as well today, um, emergency action, a blockade at Clark and Hastings in support of um, the Wet'suwet'en Nation. And then as well on Sunday at 1 p.m. there will be a rally at City Hall. Thank you for yeah. that news mm-hmm. update and I know you'll, you'll be there. Yes. You've got your tent. I've got my tent. <laughs> okay. Oh, I love you. <laughs> Thank you for the news, Leah. Did you know that Vancouver Co-op Radio CFRO 100.5 FM has over 90 different shows produced by over 350 community members? This wide range of programming produced by our diverse group of programmers ensures that we have a show you'll love. We have shows on feminism, spirituality, disability rights, politics, 
unions, and parenting. We play jazz, indie rock, reggae, blues, and folk. We broadcast in a dozen different languages and have more First Nations programs than any other radio station in Vancouver. Find your show on Vancouver Co-op Radio, CFRO 100.5 FM. All different, all the time. On February 11th, Tuesday, February 11th, from 6 to 8 p.m., myself and other Animal Voices guest co-host, Grace, will be co-facilitating a workshop exploring the interconnectedness of the LGBTQ2SIA plus community and the animal liberation movement. This event will take place in the Social Justice Institute on the 10th floor of Buchanan Tower at UBC. It is a wheelchair-accessible space, and there will be free pizza from Virtuous Pie. Woo! Next Friday, February 14th, is the annual Memorial March for Missing and Murdered Indigenous Women and Girls. The march will start at noon at the corner of Main and Hastings and proceed down the streets of the downtown east side. Uh, Saturday, February 15th, at the Vancouver Aquarium, there will be the World Love for Dolphins Day, an anti-captivity protest hosted by Sea Shepherd. And in Saturday, Jul on Saturday, July 25th, will be the Vancouver Vegan Festival. Yes, that was just announced a week or two ago, and it was incredibly successful and fun and wonderful. Last year was the first one, so um, get ready. If you have any animal-friendly events that you'd like us to announce, please contact us through radioanimalvoices at gmail.com or Animal Voices Vancouver on Facebook. Okay, so for our big, wonderful interview today, we have Darren Chang. Um, Darren has been a student of grassroots liberation activism since 2011, forever learning and sharing knowledge in the struggles against the oppression of humans, more than human animals, and the destruction of the shared world. Darren currently resides in Toronto, where he's working on a number of animal liberation projects. He also holds an MA in political philosophy and critical animal studies, and researched under the supervision of philosopher Will Kimlicka, co-author of Zoo... Zoopolis, uh, political theory of animal rights. We're excited to have Darren join us for an open discussion today around strategy and effectiveness within the animal rights movement. Hello, Darren. Hey, thanks for having hey, me. Hey, there you <laughs> are. Darren. Welcome yep. back. <laughs> yeah, I just want to say uh, ahead of time that I'm still dealing with um, some jet lag because I was visiting family in Taiwan and I got back Monday night. So it's supposed to be like four in the morning for my body right now. So oh my goodness. a little bit of uh, jet lag brain over here, but I'll, I'll do my best. Oh no, well, you're you're so in tune with everything, even a jet lag brain by Darren will be perfection. <laughs> cool. <laughs> um, so I just wanted to start off by asking you about strategy and what it means to you and what what's important about it to you. Yeah, I think strategy is um, is really important um, to me. I think to be to be strategic just means to to have carefully crafted plans that help us identify the short-term and long-term goals we want to achieve and mm -hmm. um, a strategy give us a sense of direction. So the opposite, you know, when we're not being strategic, it's when we, we're simply taking action 
uh, for the sake of taking those actions without critically reflecting on uh, what we're achieving and whether we're using our limited time, energy, and resources effectively. Mm-hmm. So, you know, like actions and activities are, are part of a broader strategy are often informed by something called a theory of change, mm. which is basically kind of like a roadmap where we, we fill in the steps that we need to take or uh, where we identify things that need to happen in order for us to, uh, to, to create social change. It helps to give us a better idea of how changes actually happen in society. So coming up with, tra- with, uh, with strategies and developing a theory of, a theory of change, um, it often requires us to kind of take a step back from all the activism that we've been doing and kind mm-hmm. of get together and think things over and do some research. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, because I feel like um, right now, and I feel like a broken record, but I seem to always be saying this, that everyone is about this, the glamorous, like the in-your-face, in the, the front front lines kind of activism to be seen and there's so much other work that's need to be done behind the scenes that isn't as glamorous that is uh is key a key component to having good strategy so for, sh- for sure yeah and i actually listened to that interview with, with uh, jake conroy oh did you discussion. like it yeah that was, that was a great interview by the way yeah but it's um you know that discussion happened there too right like there's so much more labor and hard work um behind the scenes right for uh in order for us to actually pull off like really effective um and well-planned action mm-hmm. and, and and that is often overlooked and and i also agree with what jake said it's like there's nothing wrong with wanting to uh you know feel like a badass and, and oh, you know, yeah. do the glamorous things because that yeah. is part of activism it's, a, it's something that really does inspire and empower people to um, take political action um but you know we just need to expand our uh range of you know the kind of work that we would be willing to do mm-hmm yeah, you were pretty badass in Toronto at the um, <laughs> the march when we stormed that. What was it called? It was the uh, uh, I think it's the Canadian National Exhibition. It's like yes. the BNE. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Like the Toronto version of the BNE. Yeah, that was a, that was great. I'm glad you know hundreds of people stormed in on their opening day and just kind of took over. Yeah, um, yeah. <clears throat> um, so. Allison alluded to it in the intro, but you came. You were in Vancouver this summer, and you held the that amazing um, kind of intro to pressure campaigns for animal liberation um, workshop, where you talked about all the basics of strategic campaign development, particularly against for-profit businesses, things that need to be done, setting our vision, mission, and goals developing strategies and tactics, researching the points of intervention and like all sorts of stuff like and spectrum of allies. Um, do you can you with your jet lag brain just kind of break that stuff down a little bit? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Actually yeah, thanks for helping me organize that. Of <laughs> that course. I'm glad like, you know, a good number of people showed up. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, like all the things you just mentioned, which was introduced in the workshop are basically just a set of tools that mm-hmm. activists can use to help us, you know, make our work more strategic. Um, but I actually want to talk about something I feel is perhaps 
even more important than being uh, strategic and oh, using these tools when it when it comes to organizing. Just something that I've been kind of like reflecting on lately, uh-huh. and it's something that I've been learning from by organizing with other movements as well, right. uh, the climate justice movement here in Toronto, for example. Uh, and that is this important thing is to have um, a shared uh, to have shared political principles mm. among the organizers if mm-hmm. we're going to work well together, right? Mm-hmm. So. So imagine this example, say a, a group of animal rights activists all showed up and we want to uh, take down this company or something. And we were all sitting in a room and uh, we decided that it's important for us to come up with um, uh, a set of agreements that we that we can all be united behind. You know, mm-hmm. this, is, this, um, this is what some people call like a basis of unity, which is essentially, you know, uh, political principles and values that we all share, right? So this would inform how we conduct ourselves, um, what, what we're um, all united behind to fight against, and yeah. it'll also help clarify what we want to achieve, right? So, so we go around the circle and somebody uh, says, you know, I think it's really important that we uh, support anti-capitalist struggles. We really need yes. to challenge capitalism because capitalism is intensifying the mass exploitation and suffering mm-hmm. of animals, and it's also, you know, making life so much harder for everyday people to even want to think about other issues beyond, mm-hmm. you know, paying rent and feeding themselves. Right. So, you yeah. know, it's so important if we want to fight effectively for animals, we fight capitalism, and then everybody like snaps their fingers or something <laughs> in agreement, right? Yeah. And then we go to the next person, and this person's like, "Look, uh, we really need to challenge all the other um, gender." Um, based oppression and race-based oppression, anything you know, like gender, class, race, uh, identity-based forms of oppression, because they're all uh, deeply connected with um, with the oppression against animals as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, everybody agrees, like, yeah, like we need to support other social justice movements and struggles. Um, you know, um, because that's uh, that's how we can achieve liberation for for everybody, for yeah. humans and animals. Uh, and then we get to this other person who suddenly goes, you know, actually, I, I disagree with all of this. Like, I think, <laughs> you know, the, the animal liberation movement should only be about uh, non-human animals. We should that's all we should focus on. Uh, like did did they say you gosh you know? darn intersectionals? Right. Right. <laughs> so, you know, if, if someone doesn't agree with the principles, it, it doesn't mean that um, this person, we should just automatically cancel them or something, or right. it doesn't mean that we can never work with this person ever again. You know, that's yeah. not what this is about. Mm-hmm. Um, un- unless this person is just like blatantly and consciously oppressive, right? Like, yeah. um, like a neo-Nazi and out there doing terrible things, whatever, and just doesn't have any hope of, you know, coming around or seeing things differently. You know, mm-hmm. I-, I believe like with a lot of people, you know, there, uh, a lot of times we, we could still all work together uh, opportunistically to achieve some shared goals, right? Mm-hmm. But but this person wouldn't, um, would, they'd probably be further away on um, the like the spectrum of allies thing that you mentioned, right? Yeah. You know, they, they wouldn't be like an a- active ally to us. So it's probably best that we don't organize closely together because if we do, then uh, problems would just keep coming up if we, um, since we can't even agree on some really basic, important, fundamental things, right? Mm-hmm. So, so I really encourage activists to, you know, like get together and figure out their political principles, right? As right. one of the most important, important initial steps when it yeah. comes to organizing, even before we get into talking about strategies and tactics and all mm. these things, because I think that's where a lot of the problems uh, and you know, so-called the drama we're seeing yeah. in the in the movement these days is is that you know we've never taken the time and 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 we never put in the labor to 
even figure this stuff out to begin with, right? And that, that is so important if we want to sustain our activism uh, and work in a really supportive and healthy environment. Mm-hmm. Wow. What was this, what was this uh, meeting? Oh, it was actually, yeah, it, this was like a core organizing meeting with oh, cool. um, uh, a group called Climate, Climate Justice Toronto. Oh, and, gotcha. Yeah, over here. And it's, uh, they're, they're a great group, and I've been learning so much from them. And, you know, they talk about you know, making all these connections. Like, climate justice isn't just about fighting climate change, yeah. and it's not just environmentalism. We need to mm-hmm. be thinking about supporting indigenous, uh, indigenous um, decolonization. We need to be supporting migrant workers because mm-hmm. so many of these people are on the um, and, and migrants and refugees in general because they're all on the front lines. They're the people who are uh, being hit the hardest yeah, right now course. by all the climate disasters and things like that. Right? Yeah. So wow, um, I think. Yeah. I think Leah has a question or a comment mm, or yeah. something. Sure, yeah. Yeah, um can you just define what you mean by spectrum of allies? I haven't heard Right. That so the spectrum of yeah. allies is um is this is this tool where um we identify we basically kind of categorize people into we put people into different categories and mm-hmm. map them out. Uh, so you have on the spectrum you have you, um, us as the organizers on the one end of the spectrum, and then all, all the way on the other end of the spectrum you have um, our active opponents. So people who are mm-hmm. we're actually competing and fighting against who are completely opposed to us. And then along the spectrum you have you know more passive allies. So people who um, support us but aren't um, really like actively involved. And then you have a bunch of uh, people who might. Just just be neutral on the issue and you know uh and then further along the spectrum you have uh your passive opponents so people who might disagree with us but they're not actively doing things to hinder our cause or something like that um and then you have again the active opponents so that this tool helps us to identify these different groups and then really uh give us an idea of um what we should do to uh, get to how how we should engage with them essentially. Mm. So you know, passive allies, we should encourage them and nurture those relationships so that we can move them into the active allies category. And people who are neutral, that's where we do you know like outreach and canvassing to like make them aware of the issue and really bring them closer to our side. And even with um, our you know passive opponents, you know like we don't we don't want to really provoke them into taking actions against us. And if anything, we might be able to find some common grounds to like pull them closer to us and see things our way right and then our opponents we want to just kind of isolate them and make sure we pull support away from them you know so um the the idea is that if we can even move um like these groups of people just you know one category or one um, spectrum kind of over it's closer to us then it, it, it drastically increases our chances of succeeding in whatever it is that we want to achieve so that's kind of yeah you can look it up there's a spectrum of allies it's one of the the good old tools um, mm-hmm. yeah. if it's cool with you I'll looked up the workshop um, slides that you shared on the event page and I'll um, share them to you animal voices or and the links that you shared um, yeah, that would be in great. that yeah. so that people can do some research of their own yeah sounds like a good idea yeah. mm-hmm. you cool. you are listening to animal voices here on 100.5 fm cfro vancouver co-op radio in vancouver british columbia canada on unceded coast salish territories and darren i have a question for you so we're talking about 
uh, allies in the social justice arena and we have many different movements that are active here in Vancouver for example and I'm always hoping that that you know we have we have a good uh we have a good community of, of animal advocacy here in Vancouver, but it's not enough when you really need the numbers to come out for different events that we're holding. And I'm always hoping that that we will have participation of our social justice allies and other social justice movements and that we as animal rights activists will partake in their causes as well, which I know that some of us do for sure. Uh, do you have any examples that maybe I'm not thinking of that where this has actually happened in maybe Vancouver or Toronto or anywhere in Canada where where you have been seeing these movements coming together to help each other out with animal rights movement? Right. So um, specific to animal rights, I think that's um, the examples are pretty rare. It's kind of mm-hmm. it's kind of tough because um, it is it is kind of it is tougher, right? Because I think you know the like speciesism is a real thing. So a lot of people still don't take um, animals, the lives of animals, as seriously. Um, and but I, I think that is changing. And I think what's helping to create that change is when our movement actually becomes more diverse. So when mm-hmm. we have um, activists who are working um, and throughout these different kinds of struggles, right? And that you know we have. Uh, better representation of, you know, uh, queer vegans, uh, black vegans, and and who are also concerned about uh, struggles related to their um, to their own movement as well, and really making these connections. Um, I think that is starting to get better in the, in the movement as a whole. Um, and I remember seeing this video um, not too long ago. It was a it was the black uh, the black veg fest. I, I think. Um, that was going on in in New York, so it was um, mm-hmm. um, you know, organized by Black vegans, and really, uh, and I think they interviewed uh, one of the attendants, and this person was talking about you know what made them want to to go to that is you know they made these connections that you know the animal struggle is connected is, is like part of uh, the broader social justice struggle and things like that, um, but it's it's challenging. I think it's really a long term kind of thing where we need to be building relationships. Um, deep relationships with um, people in other movements mm-hmm. um, in order for them to even want to take our perspectives more seriously. And there's a uh, good example, too, of how uh, unlikely coalitions can be built, right? And um, uh, there's this film called uh, Pride, which I encourage people to check out. It's about um, the uh, gays and lesbians support the minors uh, movement uh, or mm-hmm. campaign in the, in the uh, United Kingdom back, I believe, in, like, the 80s. So basically what was going on back then was um, there is um, a lot of minors who were, uh, who were on strike, uh, you know, just, you know, demanding um, better, um, like, treatment and compensations and stuff like that, and uh, they're on strike for better labor practices, um, and they were being just met by you know, violence and crackdowns from the police and stuff like that. And so people in the um, LGBTQ community just kind of uh, saw what was going on and some of them decided they're going to um, support these minors, e- even though a lot of these minors are in, you know, conservative uh, communities that mm. are you know, religious and, you know, anti-gay and lesbian and, um, and so, but through, um, you know, like that relationship where, um, eventually, the the uh, LGBT folks actually found these um, 
a group of uh, a, commu- a mining community that wanted to work with them and they started, started fundraising for their cause they started showing up um you know it, it did reciprocate right like mm-hmm. and, and um in a pride march a lot of the miners showed up and really supported their cause as well and actually um the unions in the, of these workers actually played a really important role in supporting some of the legislative changes that would uh drastically improve the lives of um of uh, of queer folks uh, in the United Kingdom in that era. So, you know, there are, there are these examples. It's hard work, like solidarity mm-hmm. and coalition building work is not easy. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I think it's something that is so important and so 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 worth trying because mm-hmm. um, ultimately we have to understand that we're, um, you know, we're all in this together and we're all fighting against oppressive and unjust forces. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I really appreciate you um, touching on this stuff and that meeting that you're t- you were talking about is still like I'm going to be thinking about that for a while because um, to be honest I'm very angry and I don't think that I'm um, giving folks the benefit of the doubt and I I'm you know with regards to some organizations saying that they're inclusive and welcoming all folks wanting feminists marching a- alongside men's right activists and and just wanting to keep politics at the door i just it infuriates me and i don't see any like i don't have empathy to folks who disagree like you said before like you know there are some people who are there are also <laughs> people who just perhaps don't know and so i I'm wanting to work on um, being a bit more empathetic um, to be able to build build these bridges and build these um, alliances and um, show awareness to the animal rights folks in not such an aggressive way because I'm in aggressive Mm -hmm. mode right now. (laughs) Yeah, but I I do think that's where, again, going back to the principles, right, that Mm -hmm. is so important because, you know, we can venture out into uh, experimenting with you know, building these alliances and supporting other causes and, uh, and and stuff like that. But at the end of the day, we have to stay true to our values and principles, right? Mm-hmm. Like, we can't just veer so far away from it that we're, you know, all of a sudden it's like, yeah, I'm totally down to just go work with fascists and misogynists and, you know, like that's, yeah. not, that's not right. Um, and uh, actually, Christopher Sebastian, um, a black queer vegan mm-hmm. activist, uh, he's done some amazing work. He's got a great blog. He's written about this. He has a, a blog post called, uh, it's titled, Sorry, conservative vegans. You know, animal <laughs> rights is political and it leans left, right? Yeah. So, um, I and, and you know, he said it way better in that article, uh, in that blog post than you know what I, I could say about this. But basically, um, it's just this idea that you know we. The thing is, like, even if we don't agree that in principle we should support all social just all their social justice issues, mm-hmm. uh, which I, I really believe we should, because that's the only way to achieve collective liberation. Yep. Um, but just pretend even if we don't, um, then in my opinion, even, even just purely for strategic reasons, we should still be aligned with other causes fighting mm-hmm. for justice and liberation, just because our values are already so much more closely aligned, right? Mm-hmm. Like if we choose to, that, that, that's only if we choose to talk about fighting for animals as 
uh, movement for justice and liberation, right? But I, I guess there are a lot of uh, vegans and animal rights activists who actually don't see it that way. You know, like perhaps people believe that um, veganism and anti-speciesism has nothing to do with these other political issues, and mm -hmm. it's really about just a lifestyle. It's like it's a lifestyle where we no longer use and exploit animals, um, and they believe people, regardless of their political values, whether you're, um, you know, like a, a black liberation activist or a neo-Nazi, you can all adopt a plant-based and mm -hmm. animal-free lifestyle. And, you know, yeah. then it's fine. It's like, okay, go, go do vegan outreach with uh, people in the conservative community like i don't like mm -hmm. i'm not stopping like no like, that's that's important work like do that work right but just expect to get challenged right expect that there's going to be resistance from people who are fighting against those other forms of oppression that you're just kind of like sucking up to or uh or promoting or uh affiliating yourselves with or tolerating mm -hmm. right um and that's just the reality of political struggles it's like they're just conflicts it's combatives right it's like where it's it's a fight and so mm -hmm. um you know just yeah just accept it and embrace it yeah right Oof. Um, at the the workshop we were talking about in um, that you did in um, the summer, you talked about and referred to the Shack campaign, and this is also where you introduced me to the Cranky Vegan. So thank you very much, Darren. <laughs> yeah. um, have you seen the Animal People? Yeah, I thought it was a it was a really great film. It's um it's a very important film. I think yeah. there are a lot of lessons to be drawn from it, and it's about such an important part of the the history of our own uh, of our own movement, right? That we the fact that we even have this radical history mm -hmm. to learn from is something that we should all really appreciate um, and take seriously. Mm -hmm. Did yeah. you did you have any like big takeaways or what was your impression? Like, did do you think that the Shack campaign was a win for the animals? Um, I don't. I think the film kind of said. I mean, it really depends on you know. Like, they didn't achieve their goals in the end, right. I suppose, yeah. because the company changed their names and they still mm -hmm. kind of exist. Whoops! Spoilers. I know, right? <laughs> but, Jerks. But I think um, the 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 more kind of winning aspect of it is that. You know, like um, they did within, they, they demonstrated what people can accomplish, the amount of power that we actually have when we're um, mobilized and willing to, you know, take these kinds of uh, radical and drastic actions that mm -hmm. we can really challenge these powerful institutions and corporations and get them to concede to our demands. And I think that is a really uh, inspiring and powerful uh, a thing that I consider it's, um, you know, it's kind of a win in its own in a way, right? Yeah. Um, but actually, yeah, like, I, I think, um, so again, like, I listened to that interview um, mm -hmm. that you did with, with Jake Conroy, um, and I actually want to talk a bit about the question you asked him about yeah. uh, hubris. Uh, yes. I think that's really important. Yeah. And, and what's the difference between the kind of white saviorism we're seeing in a lot of uh, the, the movements today mm -hmm. um, versus what they were doing back in the Shaq era, right? Mm -hmm. And um, I, I totally fully respect the way that Jake answered that question. I know, I right? Uh, yeah, and I understand why he answered it the way he did. You know, he was being 
really like just very humble and completely acknowledging that you know the Czech campaign and the animal movement is uh, in general was overwhelmingly white male dominated mm-hmm. so that if, if social media was around back then you know it's possible yeah. that Czech organizers would have you know to some extent even though I think it's really likely knowing now that I've um, like you know seen these people give talks and met them like I know they're like really humble yeah but so it's, it's unlikely to be as bad as what we're seeing today but it is still possible that um, they would have behaved like white saviors, like they, they right. know best, right? Um, but I, I think to me, an important difference between having a bit of ego and hubris versus yeah. the ego of white saviors is that you know, white savior, white saviorism is something that is produced through a very specific history. It's it's the upholding of this idea that white people in the global north, in these um, you know, um, like privileged nations, uh, especially white males really know best how to do things and achieve yeah. things right that they're only their ideas and what they have to say um should be taken seriously and should mm-hmm. matter uh it's just it's also this idea that like historically white nations you know are just more morally progressive and superior in in some ways compared to non-western nations in the global south and and therefore white people uh, and those nations need to take on this burden of like saving the rest of the world like right. uh, white mm-hmm. saviors are now saving these animals from like the backwards the backwardness and barbarity of these like other peoples and other nations right mm-hmm. which is completely untrue and inaccurate when we think about all the atrocities that white Europeans have committed against both you know humans and animals yeah. throughout history right so so that's white saviorism and I think what Will Potter was referring to uh, in the Animal People's mm-hmm. uh, film when he mentioned the hubris, mm-hmm. um, it's, it's really just more of a, like a mindset or mentality, right? Yeah, it's of a, course, yes. Yeah, it's, a, it's the mindset and mentality of winners. You know, like, and this, yeah. is, this this goes back to the question uh, that Jake wants us to to ask ourselves, right? Uh-huh. Like, uh, are we are we winning? Uh, we we need the kind of hubris and ego to believe that we can we can actually win, right. that we can liberate all animals and take down some of the most oppressive and powerful institutions in this world, right? So, so I like to compare this hubris to what um, a lot of athletes, especially professional athletes in competitive sports possess right it's this drive and desire to win i i want to actually give a whole talk on this because i I think there's so much um like lessons and inspirations we can draw from professional competitive sports and Uh stuff like that um before our activism um but it's just you know this is drive and desire to win and achieve our goals and I, i want to emphasize that you know having a winning mentality doesn't mean that we will always win. And right. in fact, I think many, if not most of the athletes, you know, with some of the toughest winning mentality, never actually end up winning, mm-hmm. right? And end up losing a lot throughout their careers. Um, but but without the belief and mindset of winners, I, I think we lose before the race has even yeah. begun, you know? No, like that's so... And, and so, so that's the kind of hubris, I think. Yeah. And, and that's definitely one important lesson that I, I took away from the film you know i think mm. maybe we lose at the end of the day uh, and we have to like humbly accept the results and learn to do better in the future um, but how hard we've tried and the journey that took us there you know all of that stuff matters yeah no that mm-hmm. that reminds me of years ago doing um i think it was uh just outreach like leafleting with liberation bc at the um, commercial Broadway Skytrain station and I think you were probably there too and one woman came up to me and she's like I told her what I was there for and she's like I 
I totally support you and I totally agree, but you're never going to achieve this. Right. <laughs> and I was like... Negativity. Yeah. I was like, well... <laughs> I believe we will. <laughs> yeah, you ha we have to believe it or else why are we doing it? That's mm. the purpose, right? Mm -hmm. why are yeah. yeah. For that's, sure. That's pretty... Oh, that's nuts. Um, yeah. Ooh, we're just talking. I'm just losing track of time. Um, I'm wondering if maybe we could just switch really quick and you can share with us a bit about the Canada Goose Pressure Campaign. Yeah, sure. Um um, yeah, about the campaign, I don't know, are you looking for just kind of general updates about what's going on? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'd say so, um, just because okay. tomorrow is um, National Anti-Fur Day, isn't it? Right, And yes. um, Canada Goose, we all dislike. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I do think that um, the momentum is on our side to um, mm. really go after animal exploitation in the fashion industry. When we mm -hmm. look at California banning uh, the sale of fur, activists pushing for it in New York City, um, you know, fur farms being banned around, across Europe and various um, in various countries. Um, there's a, and and some of the big department stores and all these fashion uh, designer brands, you know, yeah, going fur free and stuff like that. So I think yeah, there's a lot of momentum. And I definitely applaud and support all the activists who are participating in the, uh, in the actions tomorrow and, and any other time when it comes to going after the fur industry. Um, and so, the yeah, I think the Canada Goose Pressure Campaign is kind of part, part of that mm -hmm. uh, movement, part of that momentum right now. Um, and really trying to challenge uh, Canada Goose in terms of the, you know, we're trying to uh, draw lessons from precisely uh, the campaigns like Shaq, right, uh, mm -hmm. where, you know, um, we're really going after the people who are responsible for creating this mass suffering against these animals and not just um, the consumers who are kind of unaware or mindlessly buying into it, even though that stuff is really important, too. I think uh, boycotts is really yeah. important. We should be educating and making people aware, um, but we really do also need to directly engage with the company in, in ways um, that uh, make them sort of feel the pressure like yeah. you know mm -hmm. um, and that they're that they're um, that their profit might be threatened right mm -hmm. um, and and really challenging some of the narratives that they're trying to use and the propaganda they're kind of throwing out there through their advertising about you know how they're supporting indigenous uh, designers and stuff yeah. like that as if they really care about indigenous peoples and really they only care about profit no, right because yeah. they, they're not out there supporting you know land defenders and water protectors they're not no, out they're there not at talking the about genocide, right? yeah. you know? so but yeah so i guess um like an, an exclusive update <laughs> yeah we, we applied the, the canada goose pressure campaign which is local more to toronto even yeah. though we're trying to network with activists in different cities that are all fighting against canada goose wherever they have a presence um just because they're headquartered here and they have like two factories just in, in, uh, in Toronto alone. Um, yeah, like really trying to see what we can do here locally. So we, we applied for um, a Lush charity pot grant. Oh, great, so yes. No, yeah, no idea if we're actually going to get it, but I sure hope so. And if mm -hmm. we do get the grant, I think um, over the course of the next year, what we're really going to be focusing on is more trainings and workshops. I think that is the important part because you know, going back to the stuff that I was talking about, you know, about winning, about the lessons that we can learn from 
competitive sports. Um, I think that is one part that is severely lacking in the, in the movement right now. Mm. Is, you know, we can't expect people to make great bigger sacrifices and take greater risks in the kinds of actions that are um, that are going to be uh, making bigger impacts if we're not practicing and training all the time. And I think yes. if we learn from other social justice movements and see how much training is going on, you know, Greenpeace um, is about to have uh, like a summer, like a training camp thing, right? After yeah, Lee and I and, um, applied. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it like, sounds amazing. Yeah. Yeah, bring that knowledge back to yes. uh, activists in your own community and share that knowledge, right? So, so yeah, we really want to do more workshops and trainings on nonviolent civil disobedience, yes. on you know how to organize campaigns and all these things, but also other things, right? Like stuff around anti-oppression yes. and intersectionality. So I think that is, yeah, it's so lacking right now, and yeah. we we really need to step up. And mm-hmm. so I think that's going to be more of the main focus next year, and really getting that political principle thing that together you know mm-hmm. because yeah like we if we want to um do a radical effective sustained campaign against a powerful corporation uh we just need to we just need to be more solid like yes. <laughs> on, on these kinds of things i think yeah. that's a, a great place to end unfortunately i want to talk to you forever darren knows <laughs> how it works yeah <laughs> you are past your time okay, darren. yeah we should do like a two-hour long podcast yes Yes. Um, I'm in. So thank you so much, Darren, for chatting with us with your jet lag. And um, I look forward to seeing you in Vancouver soon. Same here, Darren. Okay. Take it easy. Bye. Bye. So you've been listening to Animal Voices here on 100.5 FM, Vancouver Co-op Radio in Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, on unceded Coast Salish territories. Join us next Friday, February 14th, for some more great content. Allison can tell you... I'm going to tell you what's happening next week. Yes. So February 14th, it's Valentine's Day. It's going to be our Valentine's Day show. And we'll have a feature interview with Dr. Joel Kahn, America's Heart Healthy Doc. He's a well-known cardiologist in North America. And he'll be here to speak about the heart for Valentine's Day. And more specifically, how a healthy plant-based diet can prevent and reverse heart disease. This is going to be one not to miss. So tune in next week on Valentine's Day. Mm-hmm. Um, we here at Animal Voices want to connect with you online. Visit our website, animalvoices.org, where you can stream past shows and download them as podcasts. You can also see our show blog there with detailed links and subscribe to us on iTunes. Stay in touch with us on Facebook and Instagram at Animal Voices Vancouver and on Twitter at Animal Voices YVR. We are also currently looking for more volunteers to help with producing and hosting shows, website maintenance, social media, and more. If you have any of these skills or a willingness to learn um, and you're passionate about animal advocacy, shoot us an email at radioanimalvoices at gmail.com. Now we'll leave you with a song, One Species by True Nature. Thank you for listening to Animal Voices today, and remember to be kind to the animals. (laughs) 